0: Hello and welcome to episode two of the Gone Writing podcast. I'm Chucky Maggio. He's Hello. JP Butler. We got Derek in the back seat, our photographer, and coming back from Buffalo, we for the second time this week we couldn't uh, well second time in the last week span we couldn't do the podcast uh, on Saturday because JP was staying to talk to my idol Tom Brady and Bill Belichick after the Pats. Hats blitzed the Bills once again. Uh, Bonas wins tonight at Kanichus rounds out the Big Four with a with a 73-65 W for the seventh straight year. Has a winning record against uh, the bi- uh, the other Big Four opponents. They've been just absolute dominant in that span, 17 and four. Just ju- it, it wasn't always pretty, JP, but. They got it done. What was your thoughts about the overall thoughts about the game? Well, let's start here.
1: It is 1:50 uh, in the morning. Yeah, it's late. We are currently on 16 South, making our way back to Hullien. Uh We were writing late tonight, and then we made a stop off to Jim's uh, stakeout. Shout out for some subs before we got back on the road, because we know we can we can depend on Jim's uh, late at night. So we are uh, making our way back late here, but yeah, like you said, you know, not not always pretty. As Coach Mark Schmidt said after the game, uh, this one won't be making its way to Springfield. <laughs> but that's kind of how it's been, you know, uh, the last couple of games and really throughout the course of the season here, Bona hasn't been this great offensive team yet because obviously they didn't have Adams for the first, you know, five, six games and then you know, even back now, he's clearly still hobbled and, you know, probably no more than, like, 75%. So the offense isn't what we saw last year where they led the, the A-10 in scoring and probably what it could be again this year, you know, once everybody's back and healthy. So they've been just kind of getting it done with with just bl- that blue-collar, you know, mindset that, uh, that, that Schmidt, you know, sort of... Um, you know, loves to see and talks about all the time. Um, you know, we saw that in the Maryland game where they were able to kind of grind out the 63-61 win without Adams. We saw it against UB last Saturday where, you know, again, maybe the offense wasn't great at times, but, um, you know, they, they, they defended, they competed. Um, you know, one thing they're doing a great job of is just turning teams over, just doing a lot of the little things, tipping passes, getting deflections, getting steals getting a lot of offense off their defense, as Schmidt has pointed to, uh, you know, time and again, and it uh, was just kind of the same way tonight. Um, you know, the, the the way I worded my, you know, my game story afterward was that in a lot of ways for, you know, for Adams, this was him grinding out the, the performance that he had tonight. He didn't shoot the ball great, but he had 20 points, nine assists, six rebounds this is still a very, very productive night. I think as you found after the game, uh, one of only two players in the last seven years to go for at least 25 and, and eight in a game, Demetrius Conger being the other.
0: Everybody's um, gotta love gotta love the flashback so, to Conger there. So so he you know he kind of
1: personally grinded it out tonight and Vanna as a team, you know, just kind of grinded it out tonight. Their performance almost kind of emulated his, where they were never really able to fully pull away. They were in a game. Kanishas kept it close. It was kind of, you know, choppy with some inconsistent officiating. But you know, again, they they got it done, and that's, uh, you know, a sixth uh, you know, win on the season. They've won, you know, f- you know, six of their of their last seven now, and uh, a third straight. Road victory to start the season. Three and on the road so far to start.
0: Yeah, this is the first time they've won three straight road games since the since Schmidt's second year. Okay, shout out to shout out to Pete Ash for finding that stat.
1: Pete Ash did did find that. I meant to go back and, and double check that. I shouldn't question Pete's research skills, but I was kind of curious about that myself because that. Season in question, Schmidt's second season in 08-09 was actually my first year covering the team, so those were my first. They they started, they started out seven and zero on the road that season, which is still a program record to this day. And this was a team that was just kind of, you know, starting the rebuild that year with Andrew Nicholson was a freshman that year, um, and that team was just they were just road warriors to start the the, the season. They wanted. Marist, they got that nice win over Rutgers. Uh, they won their first two conference road games that year, winning at Fordham and Richmond. You know, Richmond, we talked about a place you know they haven't won at in a while. Um, so, so yeah, they're three and zero on the road. Uh, you know, and I think it's it, it, it's it's worth pointing out too, three in-state rivals, which you know are going to be difficult games. You know that they won by twenty eleven. And eight points, basically, you know, so they, they kind of uh, not only won, but, uh, um, you know, they, they, they obviously uh, had a pretty good, you know, hold on all three of them.
0: Defense really was, was the key because if you, if you come into this game today saying Matt Mobley's only going to get nine points and Adams is going to struggle his way, I think nine of his 20 were from the foul line. So that, that's another thing where he's one of the best to get to the foul line. But the defense has been working in every, nearly every game this year except for TCU, which wasn't... The top 20 team in the country. Which is, is definitely one of the top teams out there right now. So it's not, it's not a thing where they're just letting it fly, making threes. Like we said with Canisius... Last year They're not just letting it fly Making threes and hoping that They can outscore teams They're really showing the effort On the defensive end And I think that nobody's happier Than the coaching staff for that Because the coaching staff worked Once again worked their butts off tonight They were working for every call Working for every rebound It was a real Like like we said, grind it out Type of game
1: yeah, and I think, you know, in a way, this is actually the best possible thing to see right now from, from this team. Because we knew, you know, we know that last year defense was the issue, you know, particularly from the from the three-point line. And that, that was the thing last year that really kept that team from being a, a, a great one. And that was the question going into... This year was how much improved defensively is this team going to be, especially with a lot of the same guys back this year, a lot of the same personnel. how improved individually can these guys be from last year and then collectively as a group, you know are we going to see that improvement or is it going to be kind of a lot of the same thing um, and that and that and that hasn 't been the case there has been tremendous improvement. The reason I say it 's maybe the best thing to see right now is because. The offense isn't quite there, but you figure it will be at some point in the near future here. And if they can continue to defend the way they are now, you know, they've held uh, six of eight teams to sixty-five points or fewer. They came into this game today. It's early, you know, and some of the some of the lighter opponents on their schedule certainly have something to do with it. But, you know, almost a quarter of the way through the season they were leading the A-10 in scoring defense, field goal percentage defense, three-point field goal percentage defense, their 14th National League turnover margin. As I said, they've done a great job of turning teams over and taking care of the ball themselves. If they can continue to defend like this when the offense starts finding its rhythm the way we think it's going to, the way it did last year, that's when I think you could have a team that can meet the expectations you know that were that were set for this group in the, in the in the preseason
0: offensively and this is this is this is a question a lot of bona fans I think would have for all you Bonna bandwagon forum members which is can you just call out the whole team's offensive execution because people were calling out Idris taki before Siena he had a solid game at Siena people are calling out Josh Iani before tonight. And he get he obviously had foul trouble as as per usual with him, but he had 15 but he had 15 points. That mid range shot was absolute money. Y- you have to you have to wonder almost JP who they're who they're gonna call out next and who's gonna step up. What did you think of uh, Josh's performance tonight? Well, you know,
1: I, I wanna I wanna get into to Josh. one thing that you know I think was a factor tonight is you know not even so much the execution, <laughs> just a lot of. Misses on shots they normally make. For you sure. know there were a couple of three pointers, a couple of open three pointers that didn't go down, and a lot of a lot of layups, a lot of a lot of layups that that, that Adams will usually finish when when he's a hundred percent, when he has more of his explosion and uh, you know ability to kind of uh, maneuver with his footwork. Um, and, you know I think I think we said after the game that they had maybe ten total. This, this I, think, I think I think Chuck Chuck Pollock pointed that out. So that that was part of it too. But you know, Iani, I think that was certainly needed for him, especially after this last game against UB, where you know, really, it was probably one of his more forgettable games of his of his career because not only did he also find himself in foul trouble in that game, but he went 0 for 7 from the field. And you know, at that point, you saw some things, and it was hard to you know to disagree that to that point, he even you know started to you know regress a a, a tad from the the production that he that he had last year so I think tonight was big for him Um, I mean he was almost perfect you know for the game he started out seven of seven from that exact same spot on the floor his kind of bread and butter spot just beyond the, the elbow his only miss was that little layup at the end but the whole other side to the to the Josh Iani you know token as we know here is the is the foul situation again tonight. You know I call it like the, the Josh Iani conundrum, the Josh Iani predicament here, where um, here's a guy who who's been pretty productive when he's been out there outside of the UB game. I, I tallied this up after the game. Outside of that 0 for 7 against UB, he's shooting 54% from the field. That would probably lead the A10 over the course of the season. But he can't stay on the floor because of foul trouble. He's already had four games so far this season where he's he hasn't played more than you know 10, 15 minutes in the game. Um, and to, again tonight, he had picked up two quick fouls. Only plays two minutes in the first half. Um, you know, second half starts to heat up a little bit. Gets another foul. Has to go to the bench. You know, and ultimately fouls out of this one. Um, you know, the stat that I. Uh, found after the game is that just in the the amount of fouls and the minutes played on the season here he's averaging a foul every 4.8 minutes of game action. That's crazy. That's something that obviously needs to to be better. And he you know we talked to him after the game. He said he's he's trying to work on it. He he says it's, it's a learning process for him. And you know it's it's avoiding the dumb ones. You know he might get called for a few like any big man you know might. But it's avoiding the dumb ones where. he Kind of just gets beat and fouls on purpose that he's got that he's got to avoid, Um, and 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 in the timeout there too, I think he still has to become uh, a little better rebounder. You know, he's still only averaging about three rebounds a game for a guy who's, you know, six eight playing the five and is 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 kind of physically imposing as he is. That needs to be better. But it all starts with just being able to stay on the floor. You know, first and foremost.
0: I think that we've we've talked about it with him countless times. I think the biggest thing that's the the blessing and the curse for him will always be his intensity and his and his passion and his effort. You know that's always going to be there. He never takes takes plays off and that's sort of a problem sometimes. Sometimes when you get beat, you just have to lay, lay off it. Sometimes not not foul, just let the person Get in and get the layup. He's just always got that passion, and I think sometimes it leads him to make those make those dumb fouls. It, I don't even just think it. it. It does lead him to make those dumb fouls sometimes, and it's a thing where I, you think ahead and you think to Syracuse, and watching the Syracuse Maryland game and watching some of the other games. Where's the spot that is? always going to be open in that Syracuse zone that foul line and that ACC logo that's that's Josh Ianni's spot and he doesn't miss from there so they they all they have to do is find him but how long is he going to be on the floor is going to be one of those keys and you don't want to look ahead but that's going to be one of the keys to the game is can he stay on the floor and make those mid-range jumpers which everybody knows are Basically automatic so far.
1: Yeah. Well, and that 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 going to be interesting because that'll be the biggest test I think probably all season for the Bonneys, uh, you know, front court players as a whole because you know Syracuse is an AT, ACC team. Um, they are just you know they're just a big, long, physical, imposing team across the board. They go like you know six, 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 seven, six, eight, six, nine. Um, so it'll be a huge test you know, from a foul trouble standpoint and just an interior defense standpoint, you know, how will they do? Uh, you know, just in kind of following along with Syracuse in the early going, they have that O'Shea Brissett, who I think is only a freshman, but he looks he is, like yeah. he's going to be um, a load inside to deal with. Um, and, 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 and then and then going into conference play, because that's when you know you're going to see some some teams with pretty good interiors. Rhode Island doesn't have what they had last year, with uh, Iverson and Hassan Martin, but you know, you know, that's uh, you know, there's gonna be some teams there that present problems inside and Bonnie needs to get a little bit more of both ends, you know, from from the front court, you know. Uh, scoring wise and then defensively just just guarding and rebounding. They need to get a little bit more there. But the, the one you know the the interesting thing right now that makes it so they can kind of weather this, you know, I, any situation is two things to me. Uh, you know, the, the, what, what you have in Amadi Pizzi, you know, who, who still, you know, is, 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 pretty raw, Not there yet, obviously, but I, some think, great you know, I think story. every now and again, you see these little, you see these things from him where you think, man, you know, pretty soon, maybe, you know, maybe a year away from, from really being a pretty good once he's able to, kind of put it all together, the skill with the size that he has and, and the ability to move. Um, you know, so we'll we'll see how he continues to progress. And then the other thing, and I think this is fun to watch, I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to do it. Um, you know, right now they can because they're kind of playing smaller teams. You know, UB only really had the one big guy, albeit a very good one, in Nick Perkins. And Canisha, this is kind of funny. You know, Bona's uh, kind of wings were... Pretty much as big as Kanishas big guys today because you know Stockard with his length is, was pretty much just as as long as as Crumpton and 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 some of these guys. Um, but just the lineup that they're able to put out there, where they go, where they puts Courtney Stockard at the four and and Ladarian Griffin at the five, kind of their small you know lineup, almost their like the the small like Golden State Warriors lineup that they're able to out with where they was just able to kill you with their with their skill um, that's that kind of a lineup I think they've done pretty well with that that group that that was the group on the floor at the end of the UB game you know last game where they were able to kind of put it away um, and you know we know stocker you know is, is, is a big uh, small forward He's, he basically can be a power forward um, because of just his deceptive you know, just length and size that he has. Um, you know, and, and, and Darren Griffin, who, you know, who we've talked about, is just being, you know, the most improved, to me by far, the most improved player on the team this year. You know, has held his own down there, and it's kind of made for this interesting, smaller lineup. But, like I said, I, I don't know uh, how often they'll be able to
0: employ that group in a, you know, in an A-10 game. You mentioned Courtney Stockard, and that was one of the funnier, weirder, I, oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about funny, because it could have been if, if Bonas wasn't prepared for it, could have been a more serious uh, situation. Um, pre-game, and, and and it was tweeted out. So Bana Nation definitely definitely knows about it. It's it's gonna be in my story. So I'm not gonna go too much into it because I want you guys to read the stories only boards But uh, but Courtney Stockard the team was team was eating eating dinner their team meal and they had their they had their equipment and they had their jerseys outside of the meeting room where they were eating in which was closed and some woman i don't know if she was staying at the hotel or happened to just be be there I, I, we don't know who who this woman was but they, they picked it up on the camera She took the, took the jersey While they were stole, at the team stole the, stole the jersey while they were at the team meal And For some reason She only took one Which A I think that's weird B B like she just She just blatantly just takes one And it was just the weirdest thing Like A How she would take it B only taking one so he was number thirty. That was the replacement jersey. That got me thinking, JP. What are the weirdest things we've already seen one this year at the blackout? What are the weirdest things you've seen covering Bonn Basketball? Oh, you know what? This is a good time. We uh, we got a
1: lot of uh, a lot of drive left to make here. This would probably be a good time to get into to some of this stuff. So yeah, that was that was very weird. And what I I thought was interesting about that was we almost got even a little bit of an insight as to uh, how some of the pregame prep. Goes and the fact that their clothes are literally laid out for them before they go to a game because shout to the managers while they're having their team dinner, um, you know, outside those walls, just kind of in the almost like a hotel room hallway or a hotel hallway, um, they just they literally line all the jerseys up down the hallway, um, you know, one after another, and uh, normally they do that, uh, you know, the the team was saying. in in a little more remote location maybe on a second or third floor there's not a whole lot of traffic but in this instance they were right down on the first floor they were near the lobby i think kind of and um a little more traffic there and this woman happens to be walking by and just i I guess helped herself but anyway um you know we we talked about some of the weird stuff earlier this season you know because of the, the power outage situation but um You know, in terms of off-the-court stuff, uh, I think, you know, you go back just to last year, situation with the, um, you know, the the St. Louis bus driver, this 56-year-old woman who decides to um, get smashed during...
0: Shout out, sure. the, shout out to shout uh, out to St. Louis team for dealing with that. Still don't know how you did. Shout out to the bus driver for for having the moxie to do something like that. Do you still have Do you have another job? Because that would be impressive.
1: So you know this was the the fifty six year old woman. Um, you know gets drunk. You know either on the bus or she she had left at some point, so she was maybe drinking. And I driving. think she
0: drank before she left. And then
1: leaves, and then they find her. You know down eighty six because one of the players used to find my,
0: uh, you know, to find my phone. Somebody left at, their phone on the bus, so they just found it. Um, so you have
1: that. You know, there, there was a, another interesting situation involving um, the power um, in the 2012-13 season out in Rhode Island. And I remember this game because it was actually on my birthday. February 9th of 2013 he's giving up his birthday now
0: folks 28,
1: my 28th birthday um and that was actually one of the few games at the time that I couldn't get to in person because there was just like this record setting snowstorm in the New England area and even if I wanted to try to get out to do this game um and just defy you know all sensibility um you know, every road was closed. And I, I wouldn't have even been able to pass through. So, um, you know, I had to do that game from home, and 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 what happened is the team gets out there, they're obviously there the day before a game, all the, the power's out in their hotel room. They've got nothing for the whole, even like 48-hour period they were there. They, they barely were able to get it going in the, uh, in the Ryan Center in Rhode Island. And that was a situation where you had basically team, personnel, officials, and that was about it. There were very few fans there. They couldn't stream it. That was a game that I had to go strictly off of Gary Neese on the radio. Shout out to Gary Neese. Shout out to Gary Neese. Um, and it was a very you know, trying time for them because they go this whole time they you know, they, they um, don't have a whole lot of food. They're bringing home stuff back from uh, convenience stores and things like that, and they're not able to charge their phones and this and that. Um, and they won that game. They went out there and won won that game. That, that was Demetrius Cogger's senior year. I remember him having a good game. I remember Eric Mosley having a good game. Um, so there's was that. Uh, I'm trying to think of any anything anything come to your mind the last the last couple of years that you've been involved.
0: We'll uh, we'll save my weirdest weirdest moment during a Bona basketball game for. For our Dayton podcast, oh, okay, because we, we all know, that. we all know that. that. Um, I'm trying to trying to think. There's just there's just always seems to be these weird things. I remember with the Dayton with with the Dayton incident. I remember walking uh, after the press conference. I remember the ba- the bathroom was um, taken. The bathroom along outside of our, our, the media room, there's, there's one in that hallway in the RC, and that was, uh, that was, that was, occupied, so, went to the bathroom, uh, with, with, down, down near the, near the arena, and I, I see the St. Louis players just, just sitting there, and I just thought that was the weirdest thing, I, I had, I had no idea what was really going on, um, But they were all just sitting. They were sitting on those those comfy uh, chairs, and people were sending people were sending me from from Rochester. Were sending me all this stuff about that, and that had happened right after, obviously the VCU incident. So there's always just weird stuff going on with with uh, Bonabasco. I feel like, and obviously covering this team is, to me, a lot more interesting, even though. They, it, it's more interesting than covering like a UConn women's basketball that they're always going to straight forward win straight forward, um, mostly always going to win straight forward. You're not going to get much interesting stuff. Um, so just just a, I think an interesting thing because a lot of people, some some people actually sent me this question when I asked for questions was uh, favorite and least favorite parts of uh, of covering covering the Bonnies. So. JP, uh, we'll put you on the spot first on, the, on that one. Favorite and least favorite things about covering the bodies.
1: Uh I mean, you know, a favorite and, and in some ways because of just the amount of work and, you know, maybe a little bit of stress and like that that it creates, it could also be considered a, a not great thing. But I, I think it's the fact that there's really never a dull moment with, with this team. And I was going to actually mention that before you asked the question there. Um, in good times and in bad, it's always been pretty interesting from the growth of the program to where it started under Schmidt. You know, like I said, I, I started with this team pretty much in that first year where they started turning things around in 8 09 when they went 500 and made the a tournament after, you know, years of being, you know, four or five years of being so down. Um, and, and you know, to, to, to things that have happened in some of these games, the. The, the the four overtime game against Ohio, you know something of what we saw last year, um, you know in the VCU game and, and and what happened at the end of that game, um, to you know a lot, a lot of things that happened in that 15, 16 season and how great and memorable of a season it was and then you know we obviously know what happened on on Selection Sunday and and, and just how uh, you know all the all the emotions that obviously went in that for the team and and how sort of interesting and fascinating that was to be around as a, as a reporter. Um, so it's always, there's, there's, there always seems to be something, you know, interesting going on, whether it's an exciting finish to a game, whether it's the, uh, you know, the St. Louis bus driver, whether it's the, you know, uh, the Marcus Posley, you know, VCU game with the buzzer beater, um, uh, to you know, something like the power outage this year in the Maryland Eastern Shore game—that's that's—it's um, fun. It's, it's 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 it makes it makes you know the job worthwhile because you've got you know people are interested in what you're you know you're writing about. Um, you know, one thing that's not always great is, uh, as we know, dealing with uh, Coach Schmidt after a after a loss, especially <laughs> a loss on the road, where we're kind of having to talk to him one on one outside the locker room door that's for sure. instead of coming into a press conference. Um, so, you know, so that's not that's not always great, and and it's 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 certainly taxing because we're going to pretty much every every game, home and away. That's a lot of travel. It's a lot of you know, preview stories and game stories and features and tweets and now a podcast um, so it can it's certainly it's certainly chaotic but I've always thought it was it was it was well worth it you know
0: I agree I have to say one of the things you mentioned is is how people are always interested and I think obviously like like, like we know like we've we've seen since since we were little, little kids um, JP with living in with living in Ole and your old family was, was big bond of fans and then my uncle graduated class in ninety eight so I've been, been going to games for for a long time and, and watching watching myself and I think just the involvement of the fans, how even a regular season game in November, December, January, uh, it, like everybody's tuning in, everybody's watching. And that leads to that leads to some obviously social media interaction where we 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 might want wanna it, it people to tone it down a little bit. But I, I just think that when you're covering a beat that people care so much about, it makes it even more fun, especially because with with this team with this team being so interesting, I think obviously like we know there's really no no fan base, fan base like this. No other fan base would have dealt with everything that happened in the scandal and post-scandal, and still cared as much as we as we're behind a big truck here.
1: I mean, this is just not. This is this is not fun. We we are behind some sort of large truck with blinking lights, going very slow. I'm not exactly sure what this truck's purpose is.
0: We can, we, are, uh, we can put this into the, uh, into the uh, least, least favorite pile. We're, well, that, that is actually something to, to, to bring up is, um,
1: you know, obviously, you know, the college basketball season happens in the, in the dead of winter, so that's always made for a lot of challenging, um, you know, road trips. I've always said that there's always at least one white knuckler every year where I probably have no business being on the road but I am on the road because, you know, I'm either coming back from somewhere or I'm trying to make it through, even though the, the you know, the weather's pretty bad. Um, you know, I go back to the the very first one. I, I remember my, my first season was the the Eastern Michigan game. So, you know, I make the drive out to Ypsilanti, Michigan, and uh, that was early, early on, obviously, in the non-conference season. And um, you know again that was another one of Andrew Nicholson's kind of coming out parties early in his career um, and uh, you know getting there was fine actually not nearly as far or bad of a drive as I thought but coming back just a blizzard based white-out conditions I'm going 15 miles an hour on the highway can't see two feet in front of me just hoping for the best and uh, you know made it made it through got home probably poured a pretty stiff drink to, uh, to calm the nerves and you know every year I feel like there's always been you know there's always one or two like that um, coming back from West Virginia in '9,10 when they when they played Marshall down there who had Hassan Whiteside at the time he was a he was a freshman that everybody's making a big deal about he left after that year kind of disappeared for a while and now he's uh, you know a pretty good NBA and be big man heat if I'm not mistaken uh, so you know there's a little bit of weather on the way up even tonight but it never really snowed so anyway I'm not exactly sure what this truck is doing but it does make me think and wonder about what that game is gonna be this year where it's just really really bad out that we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it through
0: my, my, my bet is gonna be Rhode Island <laughs> Rhode
1: Island. Could be, could be, Day, Dayton's always had some uh, going that way. When you're going around the lake, the lake effect stuff there. Rhodey could be one. Um, you know, but we we do it, we do it because we love it. A couple people, I think, I think we love it.
0: That brings that brings an interesting uh, point because I don't I didn't want to make you uh, as we're as we're passing. We are passing that, and now there's clear. There appears to be some clear space ahead of us so a lot some people asked uh asked asked who was uh who was driving in the last podcast that's obviously jp i'm pretty sure a lot of you guys were making it as a joke of how i basically as as people know just started driving just got my license in october um that driving is driving has been interesting so far to, to, to answer all your questions, I will not be driving back from road trips any, anytime soon, or two, but especially back, because that's usually in the dark. And, uh, well, two is basically in the dark now, too, because of, because of uh, no daylight savings time. But, but we're getting off, uh, off track uh, a little bit. Uh, I think an interesting thing to, thing to do is to preview a little bit. The, the Yale game because there will be no podcast for that since it's the since it's a home game. Uh, the next one would be going home from my home my home city, Rochester, in the Vermont game. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, JP, what are you looking at for for Sarah's game against Yale? I think the, I think the defense keeps it going.
1: Yeah, you know, and and uh, I'm not uh, I don't know a ton about about Yale right now because uh, it's always. You know, almost like the team, the next day... um, We're on
0: to to whoever. I'll start doing I got
1: a little process. You know, I'm sure you have the same thing that you do to research the next opponent. And then we'll go down on Friday to do our pre-game, you know, interviews with the players and coaches. So I don't know a ton about Yale personnel-wise, but, you know, I do know that this is just kind of another solid mid-major team here where, you know, maybe it's not a, a win that leaps off the page... Um, you know, or something that you can really hang your hat on at the end of the year, but it's just a good solid victory to have under your belt against a good team, another team that's going to prepare you for you know conference play. They got a they got a bunch of those teams on the non conference schedule this year, so you know th- any any time you're talking about a top hundred ish team, you know it's a nice win to have, and um, you know the last I checked. Yale was about 115, 120. They started the season right at about 100. Uh, so they're solid. I mean, it's not, this is not um, a gimme game, I don't think, by, by any stretch. Um, but it's another opportunity for that kind of a win. They've already got, um, you know, two of those wins <laughs> now with, uh, with UB and Syracuse. Um, and they've got an opportunity for a few more here. <laughs> with Yale on Saturday, and then the two real big ones against Vermont and Syracuse. Those are games that you can kind of take take to the bank at the end of the year. Um, and we'll see. You know, we'll see if in a few weeks here, we're talking about finishing the conference season with three top hundred wins on your belt. Remember, last year's team didn't have any throughout the whole year. They went they went 0 and nine against those teams, and this team should have a chance at three. <laughs> going into going into that uh, a ten opener against UMass, and, but without even knowing a ton about Yale, what I would just say is that you know it's a, it's a game that's at home. Um, you know it's their first home game in a while after this three game stretch here, and so I expect them to come out. It's Jalen's first game in the Riley Center, so I expect them to come out and and uh, you know just 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 have that energy and. Um, even if it's a close game, I, I would certainly expect at home that Bonnet takes care of business in this game.
0: That's an interesting thing too. It'll be the first, first, ener- ex- all expected, energetic, um, loud Riley Center since <coughs> since the season opener against Niagara. They had they had Jackson State, they had Maryland Eastern Shore, who were games that. They would have had a bigger crowd if the Maryland Eastern Shore game had been able to play on time. But with how that game went, we know that the crowd would have been very uh, very subdued uh, late, and it certainly was for Jackson State, even if it was a Saturday. This one is going to be on ESPN which it's Bonas' first game on the ESPN Family Network since 2000, since pre-scandal 2003. They've been on they've been on ESPN 3 a couple times, but they haven't been on physical, uh, a physical ESPN network So that's going uh, to be exciting That's going to be a reason for the fans to get excited A little preview of what's to come with that, that Friday night roadie game That is, is already being circled on so many calendars So any ESPN game, even if it's on ESPNU Is, is a reason to get jacked up a little bit uh, it's 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 at 2 p.m. So at 2 p.m. on a Saturday. So even though it's close to finals week, you know the students, students are gonna be jacked out. As as Schmidt said, the way that they, the special way that they prepare for the for the games, and and yes, Jalen's definitely going to get a, a a great reaction when he's introduced. He already got one, of course, against UB. But uh, his his first game back. In the RC, the fans that didn't make the didn't make these trips, it's going to be their their first time seeing him in person this this season outside of the exhibition game. And if if there's one thing, if there, if there's one thing he loves, it's it's moments like that that he can really shine. So that might be his first uh, comeback game a little bit. I think you think you had something to.
1: Yeah, well, I was, I was going to say, you know, I again without knowing a ton about Yale know this is a team that is uh, (coughs) one of the favorites in their league and so it's a team I think you certainly have to take seriously and again like I said they've got a couple of those teams this year with with UB and and, and Maryland and Northeastern will be up there and I think they're in the CAA if I'm not mistaken Yale and without knowing a whole lot about them I think you can expect that they'll probably be a very disciplined team you know uh, a, a team with a high basketball IQ they probably got some shooters on their team, um, you know, so there'll be another test, uh, you know, from a, on, on, the, on the, you know, three-point line defensively. And that and that's something going back to tonight too, you know, just you can see how much sort of progress they've made in that regard because, you know, we remember the Canisius game last year, you know, to me that really was the low point maybe of the whole Schmidt era defensively to allow this – team, you know, rival a Mac team to come in and, and hang 106 points on you and make 15 three pointers. Uh, you know, that was that <laughs> that really was the low point. And they got better in conference play last year and they've gone off to a, a great start this season defensively. And, you know, tonight I don't know what Kenesha's finished with. Maybe six, you know, maybe six at most three pointers tonight. Uh, 6 7, and obviously holding them to 65 points, um, you know, again after kind of what that was last year. Just another another indication that they're, um, you know, they're, they're, I think they're committed to that side of the ball this year, and they really weren't last year, and they, they, they wanted and means something to them. And they pride themselves on, on what they've done so far defensively to this point, and now the question is can they continue to do
0: it? Absolutely. So, St. Bonaventure basketball through eight games, six and two. By next podcast, they will hope to be eight and two. We will we will talk to you recording after the Vermont game at the Blue Cross Arena. We'll probably we'll probably get some gar- we'll probably have some garbage plates uh, by then. We'll have Nick Taos or somebody shout out after that.
1: Maybe maybe that should be our, our new things. A lot of times we're just trying to get out of there or get back to a hotel room or whatever maybe we should have a, a set stop to get kind of a local uh you know food get at, the at food get
0: place. the food review <laughs> the one place we go to is the is the philly larry philly larry's steak larry steaks if, if you're going to philly anytime soon right across the street from hagen arena which is where joe's place we'll give them a special shout out that's kobe's kobe's favorite spot so thanks, thanks for listening, sending questions for next time. I think we, we got a little little start on the questions, but we, we need to keep keep uh, listening, see, see what you guys like to talk about. Chucky Maggio, JP Butler, Derek, come down. Derek. <laughs> Very talkative as always. and uh, we will see you after Vermont.